نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن شاء الله we'll begin from باب الأذان يوم الجمعة The Adhan on the day of Friday The book is of the Friday prayers And it is understood that when people are called for any prayer, then what's the first thing that needs to be done? Adhan. Because the adhan is basically the announcement. Right? It's the call to prayer. Adhan literally means what? To announce. Why announce? In order to call people. So when people have to be informed that the khutbah is about to begin, which will be followed by the Friday prayer, then what should be done? Adhan should be pronounced. Right? The call should be made. So Al-Adhani Yawm Al-Jumu'ati Adhan on the day of Friday Meaning when is it supposed to be made? When should the Mu'adhin make the Adhan? Haddathana Adam Qala haddathana Ibn Abi Dhibin Anil Zuhriyi Anil Sa'ibi Ibn Yazida Qala kana nida'u Yawm Al-Jumu'ati He said that the nida' Meaning the call on the day of Friday Used to be awaluhu At first Ida jalasa al-imamu ala al-minbar Awaluhu meaning at the beginning How was it? Ida jalas al-imam When the imam would sit Ala al-mimbar on the mimbar Ala ahd al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And this was the norm In the time of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Wa abi bakrin wa umara Radiyallahu anhuma And also at the time of Abu Bakr And at the time of Umar Because you know that after the death of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Who was the khalifa? The first khalifa? Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu After him who became the khalifa? So until the time of Umar The adhan used to be made when? Only one adhan When the imam would come and sit on the mimbar فَلَمَّا كَانَ عُثْمَانَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ After Umar who became the khalifa? Uthman وَكَثُرَ النَّاسُ And the people increased The population increased basically زَادَ nida The call meaning the adhan It was increased a thalith, a third one, ala zawra, at the place of zawra. Zawra was a place at the market in Medina. So obviously in the marketplace when there are so many people and there is uh, you know, so much noise, then it would be difficult for the people to hear the adhan. So at the time of Uthman anhu, what was done? There was one adhan that would be made in the masjid and one adhan that would be made where? In the marketplace. Why? So that people would know Time for prayer, everybody leave your business and go to the masjid. Now, notice over here, first of all the word nida, which is being used in place of adhan. So both of them mean the same thing. Secondly, I want you to notice something which is zadan nida thalith, the third call. How is it the third? Remember that when adhan and iqama. What is adhan? The call that the mu'addin makes. And what is iqama? That is made right before the salah. Okay? Adhan and iqama. When they're mentioned together in one context, both of them are mentioned as two adhans. You understand? So the two adhans are which one? The adhan and the iqama. They have to do with the prayer. So this is the third adhan, which is being made where? In the market. So you understand how it's the third one? Not that there were three adhans, but two adhan, meaning adhan and iqama in the masjid, and one adhan, the third one where? In the marketplace. So, 
Why is it that this adhan was started by Uthman during his time? Because there was a need. Why was there a need? Because the people had increased. Alright? But these days, when there are loudspeakers, okay, and the adhan, when it's made in the masjid, in a typical Muslim community, Muslim country, what happens? The sound, it spreads everywhere. It's even going on the radio. Right? So then, is there a need for a second call to prayer? No, there is no need. Because some people took from this and they said that every time now Friday prayers is supposed to be performed, there should be two adhans. And those two adhans are made where? In the masjid. To the people who are already present in the masjid. You understand? So this is khilafu sunnah. This contradicts the sunnah. Because what is the objective of the adhan? Adhan is what? Hayya ala salah. Come to the prayer. Leave what you're doing and come to the prayer. The people who are already in the masjid, do they need to be called again? No. There is no need to be called again. So it's takalluf and it's also a burden on the people because they have to sit and wait through the entire adhan. Okay? And then listen to the khutbah or attend the prayers. So this is creating difficulty for the people. The deen is for the purpose of creating ease for people. And anything that should make things easy for people should be done. Like Uthman anhu, he initiated this practice, making an adhan in the marketplace. But when this will become a source of difficulty for the people, then it should not be continued. Especially because it is not from the sunnah. Bab al-mu'adhin al-wahidi yawm al-jumu'ah. So from this hadith, what do we learn? When was the adhan made? Al-adhani yawm al-jumu'ati. When is the adhan supposed to be made? Look at the hadith. إِذَا جَلَسَ الْإِمَامُ عَلَى الْمِنْبَرُ when the imam comes out to the masjid, he comes inside, he sits on the mimba, then the adhan should be made, not before that. Which just shows to us how important everybody's time is. Don't call people half an hour early and make them wait until the imam will come and he will sit. No, when the imam comes, that means the khutbah is going to begin, the prayer is going to begin, then make the call so that everybody comes right away. Everyone's time is valuable. Everyone's time is precious, especially in the middle of the day. Right? And it's also respectful towards the imam. Because if the adhan is made before, he comes in and people are waiting for him, that is also not appropriate. So when the imam comes, sits on the mimbar, then the adhan should be made. And this is why you may have heard, when the imam comes, he says salam, assalamu alaikum, he says salam to everybody, and then the adhan is made. Bab al-mu'adhin al-wahidi yawm al-jumu'ah. One mu'adhin, on the day of Friday. Meaning one person to give the adhan. And obviously if there is one person giving the adhan, then how many adhans? One. Right? So Imam Bukhari is basically clarifying the previous hadith over here that it is not necessary to have multiple adhans. Only one adhan. One mu'adhin, one adhan. And there will be more when there is need. Like there was a need at the time of Uthman anhu. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا عبد العزيز بن أبي سلمة الماجشون عن الزهري عن السائب بن يزيد أن الذي زاد التأذين الثالث He said that the one who زاد التأذين who increased the تأذين تأذين meaning to make the adhan to make the call الثالث the third one يوم الجمعة on the day of Friday was who Uthman ibn Affan Uthman رضي الله عنه and you know what it means by the third one the two meaning adhan and إقامة and the third meaning, an extra adhan where 
in the marketplace. So who started this? Uthman anhu. Why? What was the reason? Hina at the time when kathura ahlul Madina. The people of the city increased. The people of Medina, they increased. They became too many. وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مُؤَذِّنٌ غَيْرَ وَاحِدٌ And he said that for the Prophet ﷺ, there was not a mu'adhin except one. Meaning in his time, how many adhans were made? One. By who? One mu'adhin. وَكَانَ تَأْذِينُ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ حِينَ يَجْلِسُ الْإِمَامِ And the ta'deen, the call to adhan was made when? When the imam sat on the mimbar. يَعْنِي عَلَى mimbar, Meaning on the mimbar. So this should clarify that two adhans are not necessary they are only done when there is a need. Because at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was only one mu'adhin. One mu'adhin meaning one call was made. Okay? One mu'adhin doesn't mean only one person was allowed to give the adhan. You understand? It doesn't mean only one person was allowed to give the adhan. No. Generally it was who? Bilal anhu. But we also learned that there were other people who would come and give the adhan. Isn't that? Like for example, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. Would he give the adhan sometimes? Yes. Likewise, other companions would also give the adhan. So mu'adhin wahid doesn't mean one person, but what it means is one adhan. Like for example, if you are going to some conference and you ask how many speakers, and there's only one speaker, so that means, okay, one speech. Fifteen speakers, okay, fifteen speeches. Right? So speaker is equal to speech. So likewise, mu'adhin, meaning one who gives the adhan, meaning adhan. Bab yu'adhinu al-imamu ala al-minbari idha sami'a nida In other versions, it is, what do you have? Yujibu. Hmm? So yu'adhinu, meaning he should give the adhan. Who? Al-imamu, the imam, ala al-minbar, on the minbar. Idha sami'a nida when he hears the nida, when he hears the call. Obviously, the imam, when he hears the adhan, he is going to say the adhan. What does it mean by that? He is going to repeat the adhan, meaning he is going to respond. Alright? And this is why in other versions it is yujibu. He will respond. So the imam will respond to the call where? Ala al-mimbar. While he is sitting on the mimbar. Ida sami'a When he hears the adhan. Meaning the imam, when he comes to the masjid, he sits on the mimbar. The mu'adhin gives the adhan. Hmm? Imam does not need to stand at that time. What should he do? He should be sitting. And the rest of the people also, what should they be doing? Sitting. Right? And while they're sitting, what should they do? Talk amongst themselves? Because people say, oh, there is a few minutes left until the khutbah begins, so talk as much as you want right now. No. At that time, what should be done? One should listen to the adhan attentively and respond to it. How should you respond to it? Let's find out. حدثنا ابن مقاتل قال أخبرنا عبد الله قال أخبرنا أبو بكر بن عثمان قال أخبرنا أبو بكر بن عثمان بن سهل بن حنيف عن أبي أمامة بن سهل بن حنيف قال سمعت معاوية ابن أبي سفيان وهو جالس على المنبر. He said that I heard Muawiyah رضي الله عنه who was the son of Abu Sufyan وهو جالس على المنبر while he was sitting on the منبر. Why was he sitting on the minbar? Because he was a khatib. He was the imam. Adhan al-mu'adhinu. At that time, what happened? Adhan al-mu'adhin. The mu'adhin, 
ہی میڈ دی اذان ہی میڈ دا کال قال اللہ اکبر اللہ اکبر تو مؤذن سد اللہ اکبر اللہ اکبر قال معاویہ معاویہ while sitting on the member he said اللہ اکبر اللہ اکبر قال دا امام سد اشہد اللہ الہ الا اللہ فقال معاویہ وانا معاویہ سد and I also meaning I also testified that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah فَقَالَ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ When the imam said these words فَقَالَ مُعَاوِيَةُ مُعَاوِيَةُ said وَأَنَا And I also فَلَمَّا أَنْقَضَ التَّأْذِينَ When the تأذين The adhan was over قَالَ مُعَاوِيَةُ said يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O people إِنِّي سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم على هذا المجلس on this majlis, on this seat, on this member. حِينَ أَذَّنَ الْمُؤَذِّنَ When the mu'adhin was giving the adhan, يَقُولُ He was saying, مَا سَمِعْتُمْ مِنِّي مِنْ مَقَالَتِي He was saying what you heard, me saying right now. Meaning, I heard the Prophet ﷺ say the exact same words, which I said right now. Why did Muawiyah say this to the people? As if he's encouraging them. Hmm? As if he's teaching them. That when you hear the adhan, say these words. Respond to the mu'addin. He's calling you, answer him. He's saying something good, you should also say something good. Alright? And why should you do that? Because the Prophet ﷺ did that. And these words also, Mu'awiyah radiallahu anhu saying, وَأَنَا وَأَنَا It shows that the Prophet ﷺ also responded to the adhan in this way. When the mu'addin ends the sentence, so for example, he says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He's taking a breath, In that time you say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Right? So you don't say it with the mu'adhin. You wait for him. Okay? After each sentence, then you respond. Okay. So what are the words of responding to the adhan? Exactly the same. Except for what? Hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-falah. What do you say at that time? La hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Now look at the beauty of the sunnah. When the imam says, Ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah. It's a... I mean, fairly long statement compared to Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Right? So, how did the Prophet ﷺ respond? Muawiyah said that he said, وَأَنَا And I also. I also. You know, sometimes you may have a cold or you may be tired or you may be deep in your thought and all of a sudden you realize the Imam is, you know, he's going to begin the next phrase. So what should you do at that time? Don't miss out on responding. وَأَنَا وَأَنَا But at least say something. At least respond. Earn the reward. Bab al-julusi ala al-minbari inda ta'zeen. Al-julusi. Sitting ala al-minbar on the minbar inda ta'zeen when the ta'zeen is being given. Now obviously who's going to be sitting over there? The imam. حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا الليث عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب أن السائب بن يزيد أخبره أن التأذين الثاني He said that the second تأذين The second call to prayer The second أذان يوم الجمعة On the day of Friday أمر به He instructed with it Who? عثمان عثمان رضي الله عنه The third خليفة Why? حين at the time when كثر أهل المسجد When the people of the masjid increased. People of the masjid increased, meaning the people who would attend the masjid. The people who would attend the congregation, they increased, meaning the population increased. وَكَانَ تَأْذِينُ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ حِينَ يَجْلِسُ الْإِمَامِ And the ta'zeen on the day of Friday would be when? At the time when the imam would be sitting. 
meaning when the imam would sit on the mimbar. So this also proves that the imam should be sitting on the mimbar when the adhan is being made. Now notice over here, the second adhan is called at-ta'deen al-thani. And earlier it was called at-ta'deen al-thalith. Right? So this doesn't mean that there are three adhans or there are two adhans. The reason why three adhans was said was again why? Two adhan meaning adhan and iqama. Okay? And the third adhan meaning the one that Uthman anhu started, which is described as the second one over here in the marketplace. And what was the reason behind that? Because the number of the people had increased so that everybody would hear. There were no microphones at that time. Likewise, there were no alarms or anything. Right? And you know that the adhan is only to be made when the imam comes in. So if somebody is far from the masjid, then obviously they would miss out on the khutbah. Now, what is amazing over here is that Uthman who started this. Umar who did not. Okay, Uthman who did. Does this remind you of something about Uthman and Jumu'ah? Remember what happened to him once. That he was in the market, he was busy, right? And he did not get time to get ready for Jumu'ah. He heard the adhan and he came to the masjid just with wudu, without even doing ghusl. And Umar was upset with him. That A, you come late, and B, you come without ghusl. So Uthman had been through it, right? And he wanted to make things easy for the people. So this is true. When you go through a difficulty yourself, right? Then you create ease for people. So he knew numbers are increasing. There are so many people. And obviously more people, more business, more shops. More bargains, right? More buyers, more sellers. So obviously you're going to end up spending more time. In the market. What happens when the size of the mall increases? You need more time to go there. Right? And why is it that the size of the mall would increase? Because there are more shoppers. Right? So Uthman anhu, you know that he used to do business. So he ended up coming to the masjid late once. And he didn't want that people should be coming late. Just because they didn't hear the adhan. Or just because they got busy with something. This is why he initiated the second adhan in the marketplace. In the marketplace. So nobody has an excuse. And this one, Al-Julusi al-Mimbari inda ta'deen. Imam, why should he be sitting on the mimbar when the adhan is being made? What's the hikmah? What's the benefit? Okay, respect for the call. Any other wisdom? Save everybody's time. When the imam will come on the mimbar, then the adhan is said because when the adhan is said at that time, then everybody's ready. Whereas if the imam is just on his way to the mimbar, and at that time, the adhan is pronounced as possible that somebody pulls the imam away. And says, can you please come and do this with me for 5 minutes, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and the whole congregation is waiting. Okay, But why should the imam be sitting on the mimbar? Why can he not stand and listen to the adhan? The thing is that if you are sitting and listening to something, as opposed to standing and walking around and listening to something, I mean, there is a huge difference. You're paying more attention. When you're sitting and listening, that means you're focusing on what you're listening to. You're paying attention to that. Right? So the mu'adhin, his call is also very important and it's worthy of attention. And for that reason, sit and listen. And when you will sit, that means you're not moving that much. When you're not moving that much, that means you can concentrate better. When you can concentrate better, you can, you know, respond to the adhan. And 
just imagine if the muaddin is walking around or he's just standing how would be the rest of the congregation how would they be same worse so if the imam is sitting then everybody who comes into the masjid what does it mean sit quickly just find a spot and sit down right but if the imam is not sitting he's still standing then people take advantage of that i don't know what it is it's just that until for example a speaker or the imam until they come in their position i mean they're sitting they they start people don't come until then whereas it's you know just a matter of a few seconds sometimes what happens the imam is waiting for the people let them come the teacher is waiting for the students let them come hmm? otherwise they're going to miss out but the students what do they do they wait for the teacher when i we will hear the salam then we will come whereas it should be when you know when the takbir has been made that means the teacher is there right when the adhan has been made that means the imam is there so now come don't delay okay because many times it happens that each person is waiting for the other and like this time gets wasted bab at ta'zin 'ind al khutbati ta'zin before the khutbah meaning the adhan should be made before the khutbah not when the time of dhuhr enters or half an hour before khutbah is supposed to begin no right before the khutbah at ta'dini 'inda al khutbati hadathana muhammad ibn muqatil qala akhbarana abdullah qala akhbarana yunus an az-zuhri qala sami'tu as-sa'iba ibn yazid yaqulu inna al-adhana yawm al-jum'ati kana awwaluhu hina yajlisu al-imam he said at first at the beginning meaning at the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam abu bakr umar adhan on the day of friday used to be when hina yajlisu al-imam yawm al-jum'ah on friday when the imam would sit down ala al-minbar on the minbar fi ahdi rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa abi bakr wa umar radiyallahu anhuma falamma kana fi khilafati uthman in the khilafa of uthman radiyallahu anhu wa kathru and the people increased amara uthman yawm al-jum'ati uthman ordered on the day of friday bil adhan al-thalith with the third adhan again adhan iqama and then adhan fa uddina bihi ala az-zawra so the adhan would be made at the place of zawra fathabata al-amru ala dhalik and then thabata this remained al-amru the matter ala dhalik on this meaning this practice remained so the two adhans this is not from the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam rather this began later all right and why is it that the khalifa or the people who came after usman radhiyallahu anhu they did not end this practice why because there was still a need the numbers never decreased wallahi alhamd the numbers never decreased they only increased right but now when there are microphones and loudspeakers and so on and so forth the scholars argue that there's no need for this it was done for a need and when that need is being you know taken care of through something else then there is no need for a second adhan So again there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars some say that this practice that was started by Uthman radhiyallahu anhu should not be stopped and others say that no it should be stopped why because there is no need for it anymore Uthman radhiyallahu anhu did it to fulfill a need All right but now there is no need for that why because people get the message Okay even though the numbers of people are many what happens is that the adhan is loud enough everybody hears it from the masjid and besides when there are people sitting in the masjid they heard the first adhan 
there's no need to make them listen to a second adhan. If it was from the sunnah, no questions asked, nothing. But Uthman who started this practice for a need, when that need is being fulfilled through something else, then there is no need to continue this. You understand? So there is a difference amongst the scholars. This is that on Friday, there is no prayer before the Friday prayer. Okay? The only two rak'ah that you perform are those which are of the masjid. Tahiyatul masjid. Which you will perform even if the khutbah is going on. Okay? The fact that the khutbah is going to be right after the adhan, this means that there is nothing between the adhan and the khutbah. No prayer. You understand? And right after the khutbah is what? The salah. Right? So the four sunnah of zuhr, that is for zuhr, not for salatul jumu'ah. For salatul jumu'ah, remember there is two rakah of the masjid, okay, which you will perform even if you come before the adhan, and you will perform even if the khutbah is going on. Okay, you will perform that. Inshallah, we will learn about that. And then the two rakah for jumu'ah with the imam, and then two rakah which the Prophet ﷺ used to perform when he went home. He wouldn't perform that in the masjid, rather he performed the two rakah where? When he went home. Bab al-khutbati ala al-mimbar. The khutbah is to be given on the mimbar. Meaning the imam should not give the khutbah, you know, standing on the ground. Rather he should be standing on the mimbar and then he should give khutbah. Now obviously if there is no mimbar, okay, if there is no mimbar, then obviously the imam is going to be standing where? On the ground and people are going to be sitting. However, if there is a mimbar, then that mimbar must be used and the person must be standing on it, not sitting on it. And notice al-khutbah. Khutbah. And waqala anasun radiallahu anhu khutbah al-nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala mimbar. He said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave the khutbah on the mimbar. Which khutbah? It's not mentioned here. Which means any khutbah. Okay, any khutbah. It's better that the khatib he is on an elevated surface. You understand? Why? What's the wisdom behind that? Two main reasons. First of all, the voice will spread easily. You don't have a microphone available everywhere. Right? And it's known, well known, that when a person is speaking you know, from an elevated place, then the voice, it spreads. Whereas, well, you are, if you are at the level of the people, then what will happen? Your voice, it will not spread. And secondly, there is another wisdom. What do you think that is? People can see. People can see the imam. They can see the khatib. And when they can see the khatib, can they pay better attention? Of course. Can they extract more benefit from that khutbah? Yes. When you can see the imam, it's better. Right? And when you cannot see the imam, it's difficult to pay attention, which is why generally what happens in the women's section? Women are not paying much attention during the khutbah. Right? They're talking, they're walking around, they're sitting casually. Why? Because they cannot see the khatib and the khatib cannot see them. Right? But amongst the men, what happens? The khatib looks at someone and just raises his voice even slightly and that person, you know, I better get my act together. Right? So this is the wisdom. You know, it, it may have happened with you that you attend you know, a live lecture, for example. And that same lecture you hear a recording of much later. It's not the same feeling. Live lecture, when you can see the speaker, it has a different impact on you. 
right? Likewise, listening to an audio lecture as opposed to a video lecture, there is a difference, right? This doesn't mean that everything should be video, 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 okay? Obviously, when you don't have that option, then audio will suffice, right? But Jumur Khutbah is very important. For many people, this is the only time when they hear anything about the religion. This is the only, you can say, circle of knowledge that they will attend all week. Right? So it better be good. And it better have an impact on the people who are listening. And for that, it is necessary that the people should be able to hear the khatib clearly and also see him. حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا يعقوب بن عبد الرحمن بن محمد بن عبد الله بن عبد القاري القرشي الإسكندراني قال حدثنا أبو حازم بن دينار أن رجالا سمن أتوا they came to سهل بن سعد الساعدية they came to سهل بن سعد وقد امتروا and they were having a dispute في المنبر concerning the member مما about that which uduhu mimma uduhu from what was its ud ud meaning wood meaning what was the member of the prophet sallallahu made of which kind of wood was it so these people were having a small argument about that one said it was made of this wood and another said no it was made of that wood i mean this just shows they were normal people they took interest in wood and the color and the material Right? Especially if it was the member of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَسَأَلُوهُ عَنْ ذَلِكَ And they thought that this discussion was so important and it was so necessary for them to know what wood it was that they came to a companion and they said, فَسَأَلُوهُ عَنْ ذَلِكَ And they asked him about that. فَقَالَ So he said, وَاللَّهِ بَاي اللَّهِ إِنِّي لَأَعْرِفُ مِمَّا هُوَ I know that what it was made of. وَلَقَدْ And certainly رَأَيْتُهُ I saw it أَوَّلَ يَوْمٍ The first day وُضِعَ It was placed. The first day that the member of the Prophet ﷺ was brought to the masjid and it was placed in its position, I saw that. I was there. وَأَوَّلَ يَوْمٍ And the first day جَلَسَ عَلَيْهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ That the Prophet ﷺ sat on it. أَرُسَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِلَى فُلَانَ Prophet ﷺ sent a message to so and so. Notice Fulana, a woman, Imra'atin, a woman, Qad Sammaha Sahl. Sahl named her, but it seems like the narrator forgot her name or he did not mention her name. And the Prophet ﷺ sent word to her that Muri Ghulamaki. Command, instruct, tell your Ghulam, your slave, An Najjar, the one who is a carpenter, Ayya'malali, that he should make for me. أعوادن, something made of wood. أجلسو, I will sit عليهن on them. Meaning wood, pieces of wood, or wood, you know, something made of that, I will sit on it. إذا كلمتن الناس, when I speak to the people. فأمرته, so that woman told her slave to make that. فعملها, so he made it. From what? من طرفاء الغابة, from the طرفاء of غابة. Particular kind of wood. Desert tamarisk, it is translated as. ثُمَّ جَاءَ بِهَا Then he brought it. فَأَرْسَلَتْ إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So she sent word to the Prophet وسلم, that it's ready. فَأَمَرَ بِهَا So the Prophet وسلم, he ordered that it should be brought. فَوُضِعَتْ هَا هُنَا And it was placed right here. Meaning in the masjid. 
And then the Prophet ﷺ went into Rukur while he was on it. Then he came down, he descended, Qahqara meaning backwards, he stepped down, Fasajada and he prostrated fi aslil mimbar. At the base of the mimbar meaning on the ground. So he did not do sujood on the mimbar, rather he did that where? On the floor. Summa then he went back up. Meaning back up on the mimbar after the sujood was over. For the qiyam, he went back up on the mimbar. فَلَمَّا فَرَغَ Then when he finished the prayer, أَقْبَلَ عَلَى النَّاسِ He faced the people. فَقَالَ And he said, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O people, إِنَّمَا صَنَعْتُ هَذَا I made this, I had this made. لِتَأْتَمُّ So that you can follow me. وَلِتَعَلَّمُ صَلَاتِي And so that you can learn my prayer. Beautiful lessons in this hadith. First of all, we see that the Prophet ﷺ asked the woman, that she should make her ghulam make this member. So he's basically making a request over here. Generally, we think that it's not right to ask people, can you do this for me? Can you make this for me? Can you bring this for me? In fact, it is discouraged, right? In our in, in our deen. Because uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that, uh, once he said to his companions that, uh, who is it that will guarantee that he will never ever make any request from people and I guarantee him Jannah. So making requests from people, it's something that we have been discouraged to do. Why? Why? Okay, because when you ask someone, it's difficult for them to refuse you. Right? And and you become, uh, you, you can cause a burden for the people. Yes. Of course, it becomes a habit. That a person becomes lazy themselves and they don't do anything themselves and they keep asking people, demanding, demanding. Right? Seek help from Allah. Seek help from Allah. Because when you turn towards people, then you begin to expect from them. When you begin to expect from them, then your expectations from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they decrease. You think that people will help you, Allah will not help you. You need something, people will give you, Allah will not give you. Right? So this is the reason why this has been discouraged. And begging also, you know that it is something that is highly, highly discouraged. Now of course, it doesn't mean that it's not allowed. You cannot make requests because the Prophet ﷺ is making a request over here. But he did not make a request for his personal benefit. He didn't say, make something for my, you know, for my home, for my house. I need a new bed. I need a night table. I need a dresser. I need this. I need that. Can you make this for me? No. He did not do it for himself, for his personal benefit. Rather, he asked for the benefit of the community. So this kind of su'al, it's not madmoom. Seeking advice also, I mean, uh, ask people, but again within limits. Because when we keep asking people, tell me, tell me, you tell me what to do. Whatever you tell me, I'll do that. Then you begin to lack the ability to make your own decisions. You're always indecisive. Right? And you lack confidence then. And you can't always have people available to you who will decide for you. You know, many times it happens that children, they're completely dependent on their parents. 
so much so that a child doesn't know which sock to wear. Which sock should I wear? And where can I find my socks from? They're dependent. Right? This this makes things difficult for the mother and for the child. That where the Prophet ﷺ did ask at this occasion, first of all, it was for the benefit of the community, not his personal benefit. And secondly, that the woman who will make her slave build the mimba, and the slave who's making the mimba, I mean, they will have a share in the khair. They will get to have a share in it. They will get to participate in it also. Right? Even if, let's say that the slave is being paid, Allahu alam, but even if they are being paid, and the woman is paid, I do not know whether they were paid or not, but even if they were, for the sake of argument, still, still, they had a share in it. Right? So, when there is something that you're going to do for yourself, something that will bring you personal benefit, you should not go on asking people. But when you are promoting a good cause, you're promoting a good cause, and you speak to different people to solicit, uh, you know, some donations or whatever, is that okay? It is perfectly okay. But then again, within limits. Not that we don't let people go unless they give something. That is also not the way of the Prophet ﷺ. So let other people know, ask them, so that they can also have the opportunity. In the way of Allah, when we are doing something, and we need somebody's help, we feel shy not to ask even that from the other person. For example, if I don't have right to come to Al-Huda, and right uh, just in my street or on my way here, a, a sister comes, and I'm still shy to ask her to just give me a right to Al-Huda. People do that. They don't ask not to request anybody. Yeah. So I think that that is also recommended. That in the way of deen, you should ask people yeah. because you're doing it. Because why is it that you want to go uh, and learn? Why? Yes, for personal benefit, but also for the good of the community. Right? Again, shyness it is good in certain situations, and it's not good in other situations. You know, if we have to go to the mall or something, we'll find a right will call so-and-so, ask so-and-so, and somehow make a way. But when it comes to a cause of khair, then we hesitate over there. But we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he did not hesitate at all. I mean, look at the words over here. Muri ghulamaki. Muri. You tell your ghulam. Not even like, would you please? No. Muri. He just told her. Sheikhs asking some of the famous students for doing something. They said, wow, what's going on or stuff. But this one another, for whom and they give them this chance to, can you do something for me? Exactly. This is so beautiful. That woman, she, you know, had the slave, right? Car- who was a carpenter. The Prophet ﷺ went for the talent and the skill, right? He didn't say, oh, the men, you know, they can put something together. I should not ask a woman. No. If a woman, she has the talent, she has the ability, she has the resources, and she can contribute, then why not give her the opportunity also? Right? And see, the Prophet ﷺ being uh, Rasulullah, being the uh, you know leader of the people, he is asking a woman to have something done for him. There's no harm in this. Because women are also part of the community. And what I learn in this that how much respect uh, Rasulullah Sallallahu gave to women. That instead of having all the men doing the same work, but he's telling a woman. That shows that in that society even now, like men should respect women because yeah. Rasulullah did. Exactly. 
I mean, the Sahaba, there were so many, they built the masjid. They could have even put together a member. But the Prophet ﷺ wanted a proper member. He wanted a carpenter to make it. Right? Not, you know, somebody who's just going to figure something out. Right? A carpenter, a skilled worker. And thanks, okay. Can you ask this omen to ask your servant for which is carpenter to do this one for me? He sent word direct for himself. Yeah, he sent word to her directly. Okay, one more thing that we learn in this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ, when the, this member came, what was the first thing he did? He prayed on it. He prayed on it. It was new in the masjid. It was brought there to help. You know, in ibadah. So he performed ibadah on it. Right? Now many times it happens that we get something and we say that, yeah, you know, this is for the sake of Allah. I want to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this. I want to do this for the deen of Allah through this blessing. Once I have it, then I'll do it. But what happens once we get that house and get that car and get that spouse? What happens? Forgotten. Allah is forgotten and that thing is enjoyed. But look at the Prophet ﷺ. First thing he did, he prayed on the member. And this teaches us that anything new that we get, begin it with something good. You know, when you start using it, the first thing that you do should be something khair. Like for example, you move into a new house. New house. One of the first things you should do is go and pray nafal over there. Go and pray salah over there. Have your son, your husband, whoever, you know, give the adhan over there. Right, start with khair. Start with good. Start with Allah's name. Because when Allah's name will be mentioned at the beginning, then there will be barakah. There will be blessing. Mashallah, mashallah. He gave such a nice suggestion to the bride. He was talking, bride was on the other side, but he was talking to her indirectly. And he said, when you go to your room, they never joined family, when you go to your room, like make sure like your husband will lead the salah and you will pray behind him. Whether it was a nafal salah, whatever, if it's not a salah time. And everybody was so shocked. They said, oh, we can do that? I said, yes, you can. Starting a family or you're starting your life together in that room. This is your home now. That, that four walls is your home. Although you're living in a joint family. So he should be the one bringing khair into that room. And everybody learned that lesson. And nobody, I think many of them did not know this. And I thought to myself, I, so many people I mentioned that to. Even now my daughter is almost in the process of moving uh, in South Africa to her home. And I was telling her the first thing, when she said people, they have the habit of doing all bidah stuff. And she said, well, what do I do? I said, well, the first thing, as soon as you get in there, even if you haven't moved in personally, your husband should lead the salah and all of you pray behind him. That is the khayr that will come. Because if we remember Allah in the good times, of we have to remember in the bad times yes, too, right? Exactly. This is remembering Allah in good times. When receiving a blessing, this is shukr, this is gratitude. That you uh, perform an act of worship. Right? So for example, new car, what should be done? One of the first things, yeah, finally I can go to the mall myself. Huh? Go to the mosque, right? Or a place of khayr. I remember this friend of mine, she mentioned to me once that she was trying to get her license. Okay? And it was very difficult for her. And she said that I attempted many times and finally she said, I made the niya, I made the intention that when I get my license, I'm going to help my mother. I'm going to take you know, some of her work onto myself so that you know, it will save her some time. And she said, I made that intention and alhamdulillah, she got it. And I saw her, how much she would help her mother. 
you know, groceries or whatever, she would have to do it. Because, you know, she made the promise, she made the niyyah. That, Ya Allah, I will do something good with this license, inshallah. Right? So anything, any blessing that you get, start with khair. Start with ibadah. And this is shukr. Also we see here that in the salah that the Prophet ﷺ performed on the mimbar, part of it was on the mimbar and part of it was on the ground. I mean, he moved. Right? So this kind of movement, which is made in the prayer, which is not part of the prayer, but for the purpose of performing the prayer properly, it's completely acceptable. Because some people say that three extra movements in the salah, your salah is khalas, it's finished. Start all over again. No. This does not have any basis. And in fact, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ shows something otherwise. Also we see that this mimbar being brought in the masjid and the Prophet ﷺ praying on it. Just imagine, the people who are watching all of this happen, was it all normal? Strange. What's going on? So what did the Prophet ﷺ do? When he finished, he, had, he turned to the people and he said, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ salati. I did this so that you can follow me better because you'll be able to see me and so that you can learn my prayer because when you'll see me, you'll see how I pray and you will pray in that way. So this teaches us that when something different is being done, let people know what's going on. Hmm? Don't leave them in confusion, you know, so that they're feeling uneasy. No, I mean, we like surprises. Everybody likes surprises. But all the time, surprises are not good. Right? And when it's not going to make much of a difference if people find out or they don't find out, let's let them know. You know, they're being curious, satisfy that curiosity. Unless if it's a personal matter about which they should not be curious about, okay, then you don't tell them. But when it's a public affair, then let them know why something has been done or why something has been changed, why something has been introduced or why something has been stopped. Let people know. Also, one more thing over here that the words that the Prophet ﷺ, he wanted the mimbar. Why? Why? أَجْلِسُوا عَلَيْهِنَّ إِذَا كَلَّمْتُ النَّاسِ And later on, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنَّمَا صَنَعْتُ هَذَا لِتَأْتَمُوا وَلِتَعَلَّمُوا صَلَاتِ How eager the Prophet ﷺ was to teach people. That if this mimbar is going to help me in this process of teaching people and people learning better, then why not? So any tool, any means that can be adopted in order to facilitate the process of learning and teaching, should it be adopted? Or should we say at that time, oh, this is israf, and this is wasting money. No, it's not wasting money. Okay? Like for example, uh, you know, we go to so many masajid, so many places, and you know, the khatib or the speaker, uh, they're giving a lecture, and we cannot hear clearly. Why? There's too much echo, the microphone system is not that good. The speaker system is not that good. You know, there's something wrong. And what happens? You want to pay attention, but you're not able to. Isn't it? It's such a big hindrance. Whereas if a couple thousand dollars are invested in this, hmm, then imagine how much convenient it would, it would be, how easy it would be for people to learn. Isn't it? So it's not a waste of money over there. Clear? Because sometimes we see, you know, a masjid, this much money went into this and this much money went into this and you wonder what's going on. 
if it's for the purpose of facilitating learning and teaching and ibadah, then why not? Every penny is worth it. It's not Islam. It's not a waste of resources over there. Okay? And, you know, save money in general life also. I mean, save money, but don't pull out from what is useful and what is beneficial in the long run. And it's amazing how people save money, so much money for their marriage, for their wedding, for the clothes, for the jewelry. How much money is actually saved up for education? I mean, if there are people who save money for education, it's not generally Muslims. Right? They'll have an education fund for their child. But Muslims, we will have a fund for mahr and marriage. Isn't it? Money should be spent where? Resources should be spent where? On what is more beneficial for a person? And that, of course, is ilm. Now, what was the bab? Al-khutbati ala al-mimbar. Khutbah is on the member. In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, إِذَا أَجْلِسُ عَلَيْهِنَّ إِذَا كَلَّمْتُ النَّاسِ I will sit on that when I speak to the people. So when he's speaking to the people, there's two kinds of speaking. One is khutbah, and the other is, the other is not a formal khutbah, but not necessarily a lecture. Lecture is also khutbah, right? Not a khutbah, but like over here. He's saying this to them. Explaining, making an announcement, whatever. So that should be done where? On the member. And obviously, sometimes the imam will sit on the member and other times he will stand on the member. Right? When will he stand? During the Jummah khutbah or when the congregation is large, it's huge. And when will he sit? When it's not Jummah khutbah or between the two khutbahs in Jummah. حدثنا سعيد بن أبي مريم قال حدثنا محمد بن جعفر قال أخبرني يحيى بن سعيد قال أخبرني ابن أنس أنه سمع جابر بن عبد الله قال كان جذع He said there used to be a جذع A جذع What is جذع وهزي إليك بجذع النخلة جذع The trunk There used to be a trunk Meaning a piece of the trunk And what is that? A stump Right? يَقُومُ إِلَيْهِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet ﷺ, he used to lean against it. يَقُومُ إِلَيْهِ He would stand إِلَيْهِ to it, meaning he would lean against it. فَلَمَّا Then when وُضِعَ لَهُ الْمِنْبَرِ The member was brought for him. And he could stand on the member, he could sit on the member. And that member was brought to basically replace that palm trunk. سَمِعْنَا We heard لِلْجِذْعِ from the palm trunk, from the trunk, mithla, similar to aswati, the sounds of al-ishari. وَإِذَا الْعِشَارُ عُطِّلَتْ What is ishar? Ishar is from? Ashara, ten. Ten months pregnant she-camel. Obviously, when will she make her sounds? Full term. When she's in labor. And what kind of sound would it be? Sighing, crying, they said, we heard that kind of sound coming from that, that, that jidr. Hatta until nazala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu came down from that mimbar, the new one. فَوَضَعَ يَدَهُ عَلَيْهِ And he put his hand on that, on that jidr. قَالَ سُلَيْمَانْ عَنْ يَحْيَى أَخْبَرُنِي حَفْصُ بْنُ عَبَيْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ أَنَسٍ أَنَّهُ سَمِعَ جَابِرٌ Now, what do we see over here? That the mimbar 
was brought to replace something. And what was that something? It was a piece from the trunk of a date palm. And that, the Prophet ﷺ did not stand on it, he used to lean against it. Hmm? And now he wanted something that he could actually stand on. That was solid enough, that was big enough, wide enough. Because think about it, a date palm, how, how wide is it? It's not that wide that you can easily stand on it. Yeah, and sometimes it's possible that it's not even that big enough that you could both of your feet on it. Yes. In your book it says, يَقُمُ alayhi. Okay. But anyway, I have يَقُمُ ilayhi, And the translation that I found is also lean against. But anyway, this mimbar was brought to replace. Hmm? But what was replaced, even though it was jamadat, okay, it was from the jamadat, it was a non-living thing, not an animal or a bird or a human being. It was a piece of a tree that had been cut off long time ago. So, if, I mean, it was dead. But it was jamadat. But still, it had ihsas. It had feelings. What does it show to us? That jamadat, non-living things, even they feel. They feel sadness, like this one felt, to the point that it wept. They feel love. The Prophet ﷺ said about Uhud that this is a jabal that we love and it loves us. It loves us. They feel love. Do they feel fear? وَإِنَّ مِنَ الْحِجَارَةِ يَهْبِطُ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ اللَّهِ It falls from the fear of Allah. They feel the fear of Allah. ما يتفجر منه الأنهار ومنها ما يهبط من خشية الله. Right? So they also feel fear. They also feel the greatness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. وَإِن مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا يُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِهِ وَلَكِنْ لَا تَفْقَهُونَ تَسْبِيحَهُ There is nothing except that it does the tasbih of Allah, but you do not understand their tasbih. Which means that even though these are non-living things. They have some kind of life. They're not living in the sense that they don't move by their own volition, but they're still Allah's makhluk and they are obedient to Allah. And they feel and they sense and they, they see what's going on around them. Remember the rock which ran away with Musa alayhi clothes? Why? How? Why did it go? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it, right? Because He wanted to show the innocence of Musa alayhi Likewise, remember the rock that had covered the mouth of the cave in which those three men were taking shelter in and they got trapped? They were making dua and the rock moved. And then it moved. And then it moved. Right? So the rock didn't move just like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told it to move. Hence it moved. Right? Fir'aun, when he died, when he was drowned, فَمَا بَكَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ the sky and the earth did not weep over them. Meaning over the death of all of these people, these tyrants. Which shows that the sky and the earth do weep over the death of someone who is righteous. The arsh shook at the death of who? Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Hmm? Now think about it. These things that we abuse and we hit and we throw away and we treat like garbage and we 
trample over they are objects okay but they are allah's possessions and they are loyal to allah which is why even our skin will speak on the day of judgment isn't it what do we learn in the quran they will say uh, people will say lima shahidtum alayna qalu antaqana allah alladhi antaqa kulla shay allah made us speak so on that day the skin will speak when there is a righteous person that dies then the the earth feels sorrow and when there is a sinful person that has died it feels relief that okay finally this person is off of my back off of me finally he's not going to be walking on me so then should we have some respect for these things that are around us just because we're angry does that give us the right to slam the door and mistreat these things that belong to Allah when they will be given the ability to speak on that day yeah and sometimes it happens that randomly i mean we're sitting on the grass and we'll just start pulling the grass out right or break the leaf here break a flower here i mean yes allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made all of this for us right huwa alladhi ja'ala lakum ma fil ardi jami'an yani lakum he's made this for you for your service so if it's of use to you you use it and if it's not of use to you if it's a burden on you you can get rid of it right which is why you know for example if there are weeds in your yard you can uproot them if there's very tall grass you should trim it if there is a tree that is growing uh you know too much then you can trim it you you can do that if there's something that you don't need you can get rid of it but something is done for a purpose and other things are done just randomly abusing hitting uprooting breaking this is something that is not correct because you know just like animals they're meant to be slaughtered and eaten right they're meant to be slaughtered and eaten so what happens when the name of allah is mentioned they surrender they surrender you slaughter them but this doesn't mean that you can go on shooting animals for no reason just for fun hmm that does not make any sense right so likewise whether it is animals or plants or a house a building a carpet anything respect it respect it so just because something cannot answer you back that doesn't mean you can abuse it because if it doesn't talk back to you right now it will talk against you later and so this teaches that we must have respect for the makhluq all of the makhluq and not abuse it use it but don't abuse it and also be conscious about what you're doing with something on something because i mean think about it this this stump it wept because it knew that now the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not going to use me anymore so likewise if there's you know a table that you study at a room that you recite quran in there comes a point where they also like your company they also like your company so this is where we need to see that the things that i own do they like me or do they dislike me do they like me or do they dislike me if i were to go away would they miss me or would they be happy what kind of effect am i you know having on the things that are around me the people that are around me what impact am i having and what am i doing in the places 
that I visit, in the house that I live, the things that I use, what am I doing with them? Because they will become a witness, either for us or against us. You know, like these tables even that we are using right now. You've been using these for so long. Right? On these tables, Qur'an was placed. Right? I mean, these are not ordinary tables. Or are they? They're not. So they need to be respected. Hmm? So they must be respected. I mean, are we writing something on the tables? Are we throwing them here? They're pushing them here. They're not caring about the fact they're getting scratched or they're you know, breaking. Are, are we using them with respect? This is something that we need to see. يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنًا right? Even on the earth, walk gently. Don't stomp your feet. So respect the pen that you write your beautiful words with. And respect the computer that you use, fi sabilillah, and the books that you use, fi sabilillah. I mean, it doesn't mean that you just take care of them physically so you don't use them. You use them, but you use them with respect. And make sure you do good with them. So that they're happy with you. And they're witness for you and not against you. And we also see over here the beautiful akhlaq of the Prophet ﷺ that he came down from the mimbar, walked up to that tree stump and placed his hand on it as if he was comforting it. And the companions, they witnessed this. And this shows to us how uh, affectionate the Prophet ﷺ was, how good his akhlaq was. His, he Really, he had khuluq azim. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا ابن أبي ذئب عن الزهري عن سالم عن أبيه قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطب على المنبر The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was given the khutbah on the minbar فقال so he said من جاء إلى الجمعة فليغتسل and he said on the minbar while he was addressing the people that whoever comes for the Jumu'ah prayer then he should take a bath on the minbar khutbah is given announcements are also made important reminders are also given Bab al khutbati qaiman. The khutbah should be given while standing. Again, khutbah, any khutbah. Waqala anasun, anas radullahu anhu said, Bainan nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yakhtubu qaiman. Once, while the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was giving the khutbah while standing. Over here, only a part of hadith is mentioned. Haddathana ubaidullahi ibn umar al qawaririyu, qala haddathana khalid ibn al harith. قال حدثنا عبيد الله عن نافع عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطب قائما he used to give the khutbah while standing ثم يقعد then he would sit ثم يقوم then he would stand again كما تفعلون الان just like you do now the jumu'ah khutbah the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would give it standing and there are numerous evidences to prove that in the quran also this is mentioned where surah al-jumu'ah where Okay. Standing, where is that mentioned? Yes, when they left him standing. وَتَرَكُوكَ قَائِمًا They left you standing. Which shows that the Prophet ﷺ stood and gave the khutbah of Jumu'ah. Now, this means that when the Imam is giving Jumu'ah khutbah, what should he do? Stand. Can he sit? We see here that between the two khutbas, the Prophet ﷺ would sit. There are two khutbas, right? For Jumu'ah. Right? How the Imam gives a khutbah, and then he sits down, and there's a pause, there's silence, and then he gets up again and he gives the second khutbah. Oftentimes in the first khutbah, the Imam will refer to the 
second khutbah. He will say in the second khutbah such and such. Right? So there are two khutbahs. And between the two khutbahs is a sitting. Okay? So the fact that he can sit in the middle, it means that if there is a necessity, the imam may sit. He may do so. But only when there is a necessity. فَاتَّقُوا مَسْتَقَرْتُ The Prophet ﷺ also said, right? Like earlier we learned in the in the hadith that we learned earlier, that أَجْلِسُ عَلَيْهِنَّ إِذَا كَلَّمْتُ النَّاسِ I will sit on on that when I will address the people. So this means that sitting is not haram for the imam. You understand? It's not wajib on him to stand. Standing is a sunnah. And a sunnah must be observed. But if a person is not able to stand for a genuine reason, then he may sit. So for example, Muawiyah he was not able to stand for the entire duration of the khutbah because of his physique. So what would he do? In the first khutbah, he would sit and then he would stand up for the second one. So he was not able to stand for the entire duration. He would sit for some time and stand for the rest. So is it clear? So it's not a condition for the correctness of khutbah that the imam should be standing. He may even sit if there is a necessity. Now from the scholars have also extracted that when a person is addressing a group of people, then what is preferred is that he should be standing. When it's more official, when there is a large crowd, when the group is big, the address is more formal, then he should be standing. However, if you know the duration is very, very long and it will become difficult for the person to stand the entire time, then he may also sit. Because sometimes we think, oh, why is this person standing and giving a lecture? They should be sitting. Or we say, why are they sitting? They should be standing. Right? Understand that the person who is giving the khutbah, who is giving the lecture, they have both options. They can stand and they can sit. Whatever is more comfortable and feasible for them. Okay? Bab yastaqbilu al-imam al-qawma wa istiqbal al-nas al-imama idha khataba. Yastaqbilu al-imam. The imam should face. Who? Al-qawma, the people. When? During the prayer? No, when he's addressing them. وَاسْتِقْبَالِ nasi And the facing of the people. Al-imama. Of the imam. Meaning the people should also face the imam. إِذَا خَطَبَ When he's giving the khutbah. So in other words, when the imam is giving the khutbah, he should be facing the people. And when the people are being addressed by the imam, they should face the imam. Both should look at each other. Both should face one another. He should not turn his back towards them. And they should not turn their backs towards him. Hmm? Likewise, the person who is speaking, he should not constantly be looking down. Face the people, look at the people. Right? Likewise, he should not be turning his face away, nor turning his back. And this is for the Jumu'ah as well as in general. وَاسْتَقْبَلَ And he faced Ibn Umar wa Anasun. Both of these companions, they faced radiallahu anhu, who al-imam the imam. Now imagine being the companions. When there is a khatib in front of them, an imam in front of them, they're facing that imam. So if the companions are facing, aren't the companions great men? Think about it, they were great men. If they considered it necessary for themselves to face the imam, then who are we? Because sometimes we think, oh, they're younger than me, and what do they know? I know more than them. No. When someone is talking to you, 
you are listening to someone, it's necessary that both look at each other. Because it's rude. It's disrespectful. Right? So many times it happens, the children, their complaint is what? Look at me. Right? Why do you think that child is screaming so loud? They want your attention. They want your eyes. And you see, this is so important. When somebody is looking at you, their eyes are towards you. This is so comforting. So much so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, you know, وَصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ رَبِّكْ فَإِنَّكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا This was said to the Prophet ﷺ. Similar was said to Nuh ﷺ. وَصْنَعِ الْفُلْكَ بِأَعْيُنِنَا We're watching you. We're looking at you. Right? So, when somebody is looking at you, they care about you. So, when we're talking to someone, somebody is talking to us, what is necessary? Look at them. Look at them. Face them. حدثنا معاذ بن فضالة قال حدثنا هشام عن يحيى عن هلال بن أبي ميمونة حدثنا عطاء بن يسار أنه سمع أبا سعيد الخدري قال إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم جلس ذات يوم على المنبر وجلسنا حوله He said that one day the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sat on the member and we all sat around him because if he sat on the member obviously he has something to tell us and this is why we sat around him. Not far, far, far away. By the door of the masjid. No. They sat around him. Right? Close. Facing him. And when you're facing the person, then obviously it's more respectful and you can uh, pay better attention to what is being said. You can hear correctly. Right? And it's possible that uh, you learn something from the words and also from the expressions. From the movement. باب من قال في الخطبة بعد الثناء أما بعد The one who said in the khutbah after الثناء meaning after praising Allah what does the khatib say? أما بعد Do you hear that? Of course, all the time. Right? الثناء is praise. So this is the etiquette of khutbah. That at the beginning one should praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are different versions of that. Alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu. Okay, and as well as that, uh, we should also send salawat on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And after that, amma ba'du. What does amma ba'du mean? Amma as for ba'du, after meaning as for what follows. So is it okay for a person to say this during the khutbah? Yes, Rawahu Ikrimatu an Ibn Abbasin an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This has been reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to give the khutbah like that. What's the benefit of saying Amma Bardu? Okay. Huh? Okay. Okay. So uh Amma meaning Amma Thana Allah. As for praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is how it is, meaning I've praised, I've, I've done that. And as for what will follow, then, then this is what it will be. Okay? So you're basically separating between um, the thana and your speech. Okay? And it's always good. You know, when you break it down, when you break something down, when you put it in sections, then it's easy for people to follow. It's easy for people to remember and to pay attention also.
Otherwise, everything seems like everything else. وقال محمود حدثنا أبو أسامة قال حدثنا هشام بن عروة قال أخبرتني فاطمة بنت المنذر عن أسماء بنت أبي بكر فاطمة is taking this hadith from who أسماء رضي الله عنها and فاطمة is giving this hadith to who هشام ابن عروة men and women are learning from each other قالت she said دخلت على عائشة she said, I came to Aisha radiallahu anha وَالنَّاسُ يُصَلُّونَ And the people were praying. قُلْتُ I said, مَا شَأْنُ النَّاسِ What's happening to the people? Meaning, why are they praying? And she was also praying. Because, remember, her room is attached to the masjid. So Asma comes, she finds the people praying in the masjid, and she comes into Aisha's room, and she's also praying. What's going on? Why is everybody praying? It's not time for prayer. فَأَشَارَتْ بِرَأْسِهَا So Aisha radiallahu anha, during her prayer, أَشَارَتْ بِرَأْسِهَا She pointed. With her head ila sama to the sky. فقلت, so I said, meaning Asma radiallahu anha, she said, Ayatun? Is this like an ayah, meaning a miracle? فأشارت برأسها أي نعم. She indicated with her head, she gestured, yes. Because there was a solar eclipse at that time. Lunar eclipse is the eclipse of the moon, which happens every now and then. And there's one, I believe, coming right. Coming April, huh? 6th of October, right? 26th. Yeah. So lunar eclipse happens quite regularly, but solar eclipse happens every few hundred years. Okay? It's the eclipse of the sun. The sun is covered. So during the day, you have the night. Just imagine. So it's not something ordinary, it's something very strange. Very different. So when this happened, Asma, immediately she went to the masjid. When she got to the masjid, she sees everybody's praying. She goes to her sister, she's praying. She says, is this a miracle? فَأَشَارَتْ بِرَأْسِهَا أَيْنَعَمْ قَالَتْ she said, فَأَطَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ جِدًّا The Prophet ﷺ made the prayer very, very long. Meaning the qiyam was very long, the rukur was very long, the sujood was very long. حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ تَجَلَّانِ الْغَشِّيُ غَشِّي Faintness, it overcame me. Meaning I almost fainted. They were standing for so long, praying for so long, Asma almost fainted. وَإِلَى jambi, And on my side was قِرْبَةٌ A water skin فِيهَا مَاءٌ In it was some water. فَفَتَحْتُهَا So I opened it فَجَعَلْتُ So I began أَصُبُّ مِنْهَا عَلَى رَأْسِي I began pouring some water from that water skin onto my head. فَانْصَرَفَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Then the Prophet ﷺ, he ended the prayer, وَقَدْ تَجَلَّتِ الشَّمْسِ And the sun, it tajallat, Meaning, it appeared. It appeared again. What does that mean? The eclipse was over. So the entire duration of the eclipse, what was going on? Salah. And once it was over, the Prophet ﷺ ended the prayer. فَخَطَبَ nas, And then he addressed the people. وَحَمِدَ اللَّهَ And he praised Allah. بِمَا هُوَ أَهْلُهُ With that praise which Allah is deserving of. ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, أَمَّا بَعْدُ As for what follows. So you see over here, this was not Jumu'ah Khutbah. Okay? In this Khutbah also, he praised Allah at the beginning. Then he said, أَمَّا بَعْدُ And then he said what he had to say. قَالَتْ أَسْمَاءَ said, وَلَّغِطَ نِسْوَةُ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ The women... Some women who were there from the Ansar, they were laghita, they were being very noisy, noisily talking. And it's the habit of women. Anything strange happens, they have to talk. Right? But talking, talking, talking noisily. 
And the Prophet ﷺ is giving the khutbah. Now Asma anha, she wants to listen to the khutbah and this noise is not letting her. فَانْكَفَأْتُ إِلَيْهِنَّ So I turn towards them. Why? In order to silence them. In order to make them quiet. فَقُلْتُ لِعَائِشَةَ So I said to Aisha, مَا قَالَ What did the Prophet ﷺ say? Because she missed the khutbah, right? First because of the noise and second because she had to go and make them quiet. And by the time she returned and they were quiet, it was over. So she asked Aisha, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? She said, he said, قَالَ مَا مِنْ شَيْءٍ لَمْ أَكُنْ أُرِيتُهُ إِلَّا قَدْ رَأَيْتُهُ فِي مَقَامِ هَذَا There is nothing that I was not shown except that I was shown it now. Meaning, uh, he was he was made to see views from Jahannam and Jannah, hellfire as well as paradise. فِي مَقَامِ هَذَا In this place of mine, meaning during the prayer, the Prophet ﷺ was shown. حَتَّى الْجَنَّةَ وَالنَّارِ Even paradise and hellfire. وَإِنَّهُ قَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ And it has been revealed to me, أَنَّكُمْ تُفْتَنُونَ فِي الْقُبُورِ That you will be tested in your graves. مِثْلَ like أو or قَرِيبَ Close to, meaning similar to, مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ To the fitna of Masih al-Dajjal. Meaning that, that fitna will be as severe as a fitna of the Jal. You know, a person thinks that, oh, the Jali will come hundreds and hundreds of years after me. I won't be alive, so what do I need to worry about? Look at this. إِنَّكُمْ تُفْتَنُونَ فِي الْقُبُورِ مِثْلَ أَوْ قَرِيبَ مِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ each and every person in his grave will be tested. And that test will be very similar to the test of the Dajjal. Because the Dajjal also, what will he do? For example, a believer, he will show him things. He will say, I'm your God. I'm your God. He will show something that will look like paradise and something that will look like hellfire. But it's the exact opposite, right? The reality is opposite. So who is it that will pass that test? The one whose faith is firm. Whose faith is firm. Likewise, in the grave, when the angels will ask, those scary angels, and you know the description, right? Blue eyes. Imagine, dark, dark, and in the darkness of the grave, dark angels with blue eyes. Just imagine. And when they will ask in such a harsh manner, who can survive that test? Someone whose faith is firm. يُؤْتَى أَحَدُكُمْ فَيُقَالُ لَهُ مَا عِلْمُكَ بِهَذَا الرَّجُلِ That test will be brought to one of you. فَيُقَالُ لَهُ And it will be said to him, What is your knowledge about this man? Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ. فَأَمَّا الْمُؤْمِنِ So as for the believer, أَوْ قَالَ Or he said, الْمُوْقِنِ The muqin, the one who has yaqeen. شَكَّ Hisham. Hisham, the narrator, he was doubtful. فَيَقُولُ he will say, "Who is Rasulullah? Who is Muhammad? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jaaana bil bayinati wal huda. Faamanna wa ajabna wa tabarna wa sadqna." Can we say this about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He is the Messenger of Allah. He is Muhammad. His name is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He brought us clear proofs. He brought us guidance. We believed in him. We responded to him. We followed him. And we affirmed his truthfulness. فَيُقَالُ لَهُ It will be said to him, نَمْ صَالِحًا Sleep like a good person. Sleep. 
لَقَدْ كُنَّا نَعْلَمُ إِن كُنْتَ لَتُؤْمِنُ بِهِ We knew that you used to believe in this. وَأَمَّا الْمُنَافِقِ But as for the hypocrite, أَوْ قَالَ Or he said, المرتاب, The one who was in doubt. شَكَّ هِشَامٌ Hisham, the narrator, he was doubtful. فَيُقَالُ It will be said لَهُ to him, مَا عِلْمُكَ بِهَذَا الرَّجُلُ What is your knowledge about this man? What do you know about this man? فَيَقُولُ So he will say, لَا أَدْرِي I don't know. سَمِعْتُ النَّاسَ يَقُولُونَ شَيْئًا فَقُلْتُهُ I used to hear people saying something, so I said the same. قَالَ هِشَامٌ Hisham said, فَلَقَدْ قَالَتْ لِي فَاطِمَةُ فَأَوْعَيْتُهُ Fatima said this to me, meaning reported this to me, and I أَوْعَيْتُهُ I retained it, I memorized it. غَيْرَ أَنَّهَا ذَكَرَتْ مَا يُغَلِّضُ عَلَيْهِ Except that she did not mention the harshness with which the person will be dealt with in the grave. Meaning that this detail was missing in that narration. So in this hadith, there are numerous benefits. Firstly, what is of relevance over here is Amma Ba'ad, the words Amma Ba'ad, how the Prophet said them at this occasion also and at other uh, khutbas also. Uh, also, uh, one thing we see here is that at a time when something strange is happening and you're in confusion, you don't know what to do, you don't know what's going on, just wasjud waqtarib. Go and prostrate to your Lord and go near Him. Seek help from there. The Prophet ﷺ, whenever something difficult came upon him, what was his habit? He would rush to prayer. He would pray salah. Even at this time, solar eclipse, what did he do? Instead of sighing and wowing, and this is what people do. They comment, I think it's this, I think it's this, I think it's that. No, it's an amazing scene Allah is showing to you. His qudra. So increase in your ubudiyah, in your worship at that time. I went and I prayed two rak'ah. As soon as I finished my two rak'ah, another sister, she came and she said, I got the email from the sister, she's okay. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So many times it happens that we, we are worried about something and you know we spend our time worrying, 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 in fear, anxious, and that is normal. But what is the relief? Where does that relief come from? Ista'inu bis-sabri was-salah. And the prayer. Seek help through the prayer. And we also see over here that women, at that time they were talking. And if they were talking at that time, when the Prophet ﷺ was giving a khutbah, what do you expect today? I'm not just saying women, but people in general. This is a human weakness. It doesn't necessarily mean that a person is very, very low in his iman and uh, his adab. And it's human weakness. We forget. Right? So we end up talking when we should be quiet. So just because you see somebody talking during the khutbah, don't start thinking, oh, she doesn't know anything. No. It's okay. Go and remind them. Go and tell them to be silent and listen quietly. But look at Aisha radhiallahu anha. Did she get up and go? It's as though she had blocked out all the noise and she was just concentrating. Right? So there are times when you can actually go and tell people to be quiet and there are other times when you, if you start doing that, you're going to miss out on your ibadah. So, learn to focus. Okay? Last thing, inshallah. And just to add on that, um, we see how like um, whatever it is that um, Asma missed, it was such important information. Subhanallah. And those people missed out too. So, so whenever we talk, we don't know what we are missing and how we are letting other people uh, lose out on their khutbah. Very true. Very true. That 
if Asma had not asked Aisha about what the Prophet said, she would never have found out. She asked, but did everybody else ask? No. They missed out. So sometimes you think, well, it's just one call, just one text message. It's okay, I'll just go to the bathroom and quickly, you know, wash up and come back and freshen up. And in that process, we are actually missing out. Missing out. You know, like a lecture, if you start listening to it, it's five minutes late. Then what happens? You're lost. You don't know what's going on. You have so many questions, so many doubts. Right? So what is best that a person pays attention and listens to the entire address? Subhanakallahu bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.